blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission and perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy and whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness and lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, Praising my Savior all the day long. Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here at this church. Today is the day that the Lord has made and we are here to rejoice and be glad in it. This is the beginning of Lent. Well, technically... Wednesday was the beginning of Lent, the first day of Lent. Hope some of you were able to join us for our online worship service. If you were unable, because this is the world we're living in now, you can just scroll up or down or left or on our Facebook page or on our YouTube page, and you can experience that worship service again. But this is the first Sunday of Lent. The sanctuary has changed. We brought out the purple because purple is a color of repentance because that's what Lent is all about. It's about a metanoia, a turning back to the Lord who came to dwell among us. And yet we're continuing in our sermon series, the Jesus Prayer Book, in which every week we're taking a look at one of the Psalms that show up in the Gospels to see how Jesus' favorite playlist, that is the Psalms, helped him to understand who he is and helps us to understand who we are in relation to who God is in Christ. Uh, I encourage you to write down some of the music you've been listening to, some of the things that have showed up on your playlist so that we can share our musical interests with one another. I've been listening to a lot of Sufjan Stevens. He is a folk artist who uses and can play all sorts of different instruments. And uh, he has um, a collection of songs that to me are very, very theological uh, from his album Carrie and Lowell. So if that's something you're interested in, I commend to you Sufjan Stevens' album Carrie and Lowell. Uh, For me, it's kind of like the perfect Lenten folk music. So check it out. Otherwise, we're continuing to offer lots of things here at Cokesbury. We have um, 
online devotionals that we're sending out every week. We have uh, Facebook Live videos that we're recording, all sorts of stuff. And especially right now for the season of Lent, I've worked with other uh, pastors and theologians to put together a Lenten devotional that we're going to be sending out via email every Wednesday and Saturday through February, and then three days a week during March, and then every day uh, during Holy Week. If you would like to receive those and you're not currently receiving emails from the church, if you could email us at Cokesbury umc at gmail.com. We will put you on that email list so that you can get those Lenten devotionals as they come out throughout the week. So with that, I encourage you to find a comfortable posture as we just rest in silence for a moment as we continue to worship God together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. O Lord, save us from self-righteousness. You have made us different so that our difference might make a difference, but too often our difference, it tempts us to ridicule the world because the world, after all, is ridiculous. Never let us forget, the Lord, that we too are the world and also ridiculous. So we pray that you might shape the judgments of our neighbors and our own foolish judgments by your love so that we might be together saved, that is, that we might be a people who continue to take steps into your kingdom and not our own. With that, Lord, each of us will now lift up to you, whether silently or aloud, our own joys and concerns this day. As you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I noted at the beginning of our worship service, we are in the midst of a sermon series called the Jesus Prayer Book, in which we're looking at uh, one of the psalms that show up in the gospel every week. Today we're looking at Psalm 91, 9 through 13, and Luke 4, 1 through 13. So hear now God's holy word. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. And now Luke 4, 1-13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where, for forty days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. And the devil said to him, 
If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you, then, will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil took him to Jerusalem, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 368 from the United Methodist Hymnal, My Hope is Built. Uh, If you don't know the words, you can find them in our online bulletin. The link for accessing is in in the video description. Now join me over at the drums, and uh, as I play, please sing with me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Darkness fails, his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, trust in righteousness alone, all is to stand before the throne, on Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Would you please pray with me? 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. His hair was still wet from the baptism in the Jordan River. When Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, the Gospel of Mark tells us not that he was led by the Spirit, but that the Spirit literally kicked him out into the unknown places. And there, for 40 days, Jesus ate nothing and was tempted by the devil. Now, it's tradition in the life of the church to begin the 40 days of Lent with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. We, in a sense, mirror the journey Jesus faced in our own lives, and our own attempts at wrestling with temptation while fasting from certain items and behavior and practices. You know, so some of us will give up things like social media or chocolate or unkind thoughts. Good luck with that one. While some of us add new disciplines during the season, like daily Bible reading and prayer, or intentional silence or journaling. Nevertheless, we start Lent with the temptations of Jesus, and this temptation story, it leaves us with a lingering question. And the question is this, who in the world is this Jesus? Earlier in the gospel, we read about how he was born to a virgin in, in a back alley in the town of Bread, how an angelic host sang the good news of his arrival to a bunch of nobodies out in a field in the middle of the night. Later, we read about how magi from faraway places brought him gifts fit for royalty. We read about King Herod, who was so terrified of his arrival as a baby that he, the king, ordered all the children in Bethlehem to be killed. We then, we fast forward all the way in his life to his baptism by his cousin, after which the sky is torn into pieces as a voice bellowed down, This is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. But now, this son of man, this son of God, is out who knows where, contending with who knows what. And yet, this story for as confounding and wild as it is, it tells us exactly what kind, of Jesus, what kind of Messiah this Jesus is and will be. It gives us a glimpse behind the curtain of the cosmos. It helps us to know how it ends just as it begins. Okay, Satan says, if you are who you say you are, let's see some ID. Oh, no pockets in your robe, Jesus? Fine. I can tell you're hungry. We've been out here together for 40 days after all, so why don't you, why don't you make some of these stones into bread? That might come in handy down the road. You never know. What could be more holy than having mercy on the hungry and filling their, their bellies? It is written, Jesus says, that we cannot and we shall not live by bread alone. Oh, so you know your scripture, the devil replies. I understand, and frankly... I'm with you, Jesus. You can't just give hungry people food for nothing. They'll become dependent. No handouts in the kingdom of God. But what about this, JC? Would you like some political power? No, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom here on earth. All you have to do, and it's really just a tiny thing, really, is you just have to bow down and worship me. It is written, Jesus says, we shall only worship one God. Okay, okay, geez, don't be such a stick in the mud, the devil continues. So you won't show compassion to the hungry, not even yourself, and you won't just go ahead and make the world a better place through some political machinations. Fine. Now, 
for what it's worth, I can play the scripture game too, you know. So what about this one? How do you try this on for size? Why don't you leap down from the top of the temple, give the people of God a sign of God's power and might? For Jesus, doesn't it say somewhere in the Psalms, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. So why don't you do it? Do it, and the people will be filled with faith. It is written, Jesus says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Ah, this is getting boring, Satan intones. I'm getting out of here. It's pretty wild stuff. The devil tempts the Lord of lords and fails to catch him. The devil even attempts to use scripture to catch Jesus in the snare, but it doesn't work. Now, usually, when we hear this story at the beginning of Lent, if we hear it at all, it's framed in such a way as to encourage us to resist our own temptations that we have in our lives. You know, Lent, after all, as I said, it's a season when we ditch bad habits and we pick up good ones. And yes, We should all avoid temptation. We should resist temptation. There are things we want to do that we simply shouldn't do. But if that's all this story is meant to do, then surely Jesus could have been a little clear about what is and isn't permissible. If Jesus' temptations are really just about our temptations, then wouldn't it have been better for the Lord to add a little more exhortative proclamation for the people in the back? Do you see, this isn't really a story about how we deal with our temptations. It's a story about how Jesus deals with the world, how Jesus deals with us. I mean, notice this. The devil offers Jesus objectively good things. Bread, political power, miracles. And Jesus refuses all three. Now, it'd be one thing if if the devil offered Jesus 10 Big Macs or, or nuclear weapons or let your imaginations run wild with stuff. But the devil didn't. Instead, the devil presented Jesus with possibilities for the transformation of the world, and Jesus was having nothing, none of it. Except, and this is the real kicker, throughout the rest of the gospel story, Jesus does, in fact, do all of the things that the devil suggests here in the temptations. Instead of whipping together a nice loaf of artisan bread out in the wilderness, instead of making some biscuits out of the rocks, Jesus later feeds the 5,000 with nothing more than a few slices of wonder bread and a handful of fish sticks. Instead of getting caught up in all the political policies to make Jerusalem great again, Jesus reigns, from all places, the cross of his own execution, and then ascends to the right hand of the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. Instead of pulling off a Houdini-esque magic trick that would make even the crowds in Las Vegas jump to their feet, instead of jumping to certain death only to be rescued by the heavenly host at the last second, Jesus dies. He just refuses to stay dead. And we often think of Jesus and the devil as these two completely far opposite ends of a spectrum. One good, the other evil. And yet, at least according to this story in the strange new world of the Bible, the difference between Jesus and the devil is not in the temptations themselves, but in the methods upon which these things come to fruition. The scene set out in the wilderness really is as strange as it sounds. 
And when you take a step back from the whole thing, when you try to take it all in at once, you can't help but notice that the the devil and Jesus, they're not even really talking with one another. It's like each of them are on their own silos talking past the other. If you really are God, then prove it, Jesus. I really am God, Jesus says, so I'm not going to do anything. And again, the devil has good suggestions for the Messiah. Why starve yourself when you can easily rustle up some grub? Why let these fools destroy themselves when you can take control of everything? Why let the world struggle with doubt when you can prove that you were entirely worthy of their faith? And perfectly, Jesus responds to each of these temptations by quoting scripture right back into the devil's face. And the devil here, frighteningly, actually sounds a whole lot like, well, us. His ideas are some that we regularly champion both inside and outside of the church. I mean, who among us wouldn't want to give food to the hungry? Who among us wouldn't like to see politics get in order? Who among us wouldn't enjoy seeing a powerful demonstration of God's power every once in a while? But Jesus... For as much as he is like us, he's also completely unlike us. For in his non-answer answers, he declares to the devil and to the rest of us that power, whether it's over creation or politics or miracles, it doesn't actually transform the cosmos. Jesus, in his refusal to take the devil's offers, he reminds us that we Humans, we're obsessed with believing that power and more of it will make the kingdom come here on earth. And we've been obsessed with power since the very beginning. In the earliest days of the church's bedfellowship with the powers and principalities called empire, there were forced baptisms in order to make perfect little citizens. In the Middle Ages, the church required more and more of the resources of God's people in order to get their loved ones out of purgatory, all while the cathedrals got bigger, as did the waistlines of the clergy. And even recently, the lust for power, political, theological, geographical, it has led to violence, familial strife, ecclesial schisms. We've convinced ourselves over and over and over again that if we just had a little more control, if we just won one more fight, if we should just get everyone to be exactly like us, then everything would turn out for the best. Except it never does. The poor just keep getting poorer, and the rich just keep getting richer. The marriages keep falling apart. Children keep falling asleep hungry. Churches keep fracturing. Communities keep collapsing. Therefore, though it pains us to admit it, Jesus seems to have a point in his squabble with the adversary. Because the demonic systems of power, even those under the auspices of making the world a better place, they often lead to just as much misery, if not more. The devil wants to give Jesus a shortcut straight to the ends that Jesus will inevitably bring about in his own life, in his own death, in his own resurrection— The devil wants Jesus to do what we want Jesus to do. Or perhaps better put, the devil wants Jesus to do what we want to do. But here's the good news. The really good news. 
It's that Jesus is able to resist temptations that we would not, that we could not, and frankly, that we do not. Even, even at the very end, when Jesus' hands are nailed to the cross, he is still tempted by the devil through the voices in the crowd. If you really are who you say you are, Jesus, save yourself. But at the end, Jesus doesn't respond with passages of Scripture. He doesn't offer a litany of things to do or things to avoid. Instead, he dies. Instead of saving himself, Jesus saves us. So we offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptation. And, as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. God has gathered us together. God has proclaimed God's word. And now we respond to what God has done and said by the giving of ourselves, our time, our efforts, our prayers, but also the gifts of our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts to God through the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You may give online. The, the link for doing so is in the video description. You may give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, you can come and bring your uh, offering to the church. We have a drop slot by our main office doors. But give. Give with glad and generous hearts that we might continue to be a church that proclaims the truly good news in a world that is drowning in bad news. Another way that we like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. So please join me as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now I'll go forth with this blessing and this benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see that though we may be tempted on this Lenten journey, it is good to know that Jesus resists even our temptations and that instead of saving himself, he chooses to save us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to gathering with you again next week, same time, same place, to listen to Jesus' playlist, his favorite playlist, as we continue down our series of the Jesus Prayer Book. Be well, go in peace. Amen, amen, and amen. And can it be that I should gain an interest in
Savior's blood died me for me who caused his pain for me who him to death pursued amazing love how can it be that thou my God should die for me amazing love how can it be that thou my God should die for me Eternal 